Okay, we are in Sefer Micha, Perik Hey, Pasuk Aleph, Ba'ata Beis Lechem Efrasim. So we saw in Perik Dalit in the previous year that Micha paints a beautiful picture of the Bias HaMashiach, the Messianic days, a world living in universal peace and universal harmony with Israel uh, enjoying its role as the acknowledged nation among nations with the Kaddish Baruch Hu being the ultimate creator and accepted by all. And the, the prophecy, the lion shall lie down with the lamb, etc. People will beat their swords into plowshares. Today, the Navi focuses more on the identity of the Mashiach. Who is this Mashiach? So a good place to start from is a Gemara in Masech uh, Tepsachim, Daf Nun Dalid. Let me read it to you. V'hatanya, it's taught in the Brisa, Shiva Dvarim Nivru Kodem Shenivra HaOlam that even before the earth was created, there were seven things that were created before the physical world was created. These are what they are. Torah, Uchua, the concept of repentance, Veganeden, uh, Garden of Eden, Vegehenom, conversely hell, Vechisei uh, HaKavod, Hashem's heavenly throne, the Beis HaMikdash, and last, Ushmo Shel Mashiach, the name of who the Messiah would be. So this was done before the earth was even created. Now, what we know is that he will be a descendant of the house of David. That's why we call him Mashiach ben David. And Micha is going to take us through that and you start with the birthplace of King David, which is Beis Lechem. <coughs> Says the Navi, Ba'ata Beis Lechem Ephrata, you Beis Lechem, Ephrata is a name, uh, synonym for Beis Lechem, Ephrat as we call it today. So early he for Alfei Yehuda. You are such an improbable um, candidate, as it were, to have the Mashiach, you in Beis Lechem. The Bialfe Yehuda, of all the thousands of families in Yehuda that the Mashiach would come from you, challenges logic. Yet say the Yos Moshe, that out of you will come the ruler of Israel, and yet this goes back for centuries to the early days. What are we speaking about here? Why the improbability of Beis Lechem as being the home, the birthplace of David, who was the ultimate uh, father of the Mashiach? Rashi puts it directly. It is only right that you be judged a logical non-candidate or the most unlikely source of Mashiachus because uh, 
you have the disqualifying characteristic or fact that Ruth, Ruth the Moabite, was the great-grandmother of David. And so we have a, a concept in Judaism, you know, we put a lot of value on Yichus, the uh, genealogy, the person's ancestry. And so if you think about it, David was such an unlikely candidate for Malchus and ultimately Moshiach. So you take Ruth from Moabiah, she was a Moabite woman. We know a, from the Torah, a Moabite cannot come into the Kahal Hashem, into the congregation of the Kodesh Barku, until, I believe it's 10 generations. They make the exception, the Gemara says, Ruth HaMoabiyah, it is a Moabite male, it doesn't apply to a Moabite female. But then, you've got to look at Ruth, Ruth's genealogy itself. Ruth was born or comes from the incestuous union of Lot with his daughter, one of his daughters. At the end of the uh, Stone and Gomorrah, the daughters are concerned that all humanity is wiped out. There are no husbands for them. So they get low drunk and they father different children. The first one fathers Moab, became Moab. In fact, Moab stands for the contraction of Maav from the father. You go further to Yehuda and his illicit relationship with Tamar, or initially illicit with Tamar, who disguised herself as a prostitute to get him to agree to have a yibum with his last surviving son. And then she and him found the dynasty that David. It is such an unlikely genealogy. And so why? The question is, how did this happen? There's so many very interesting theories. The Kutska has a, a beautiful theory said semi-seriously that there's something that is innately um, uncommon to have a king of Israel ruling over his fellow Jews, the Melech. And so that what you need sometimes in the DNA is the outside influence. Uh, 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 maybe a Moabite influence to help. The Rav, Rav Soloveitchik, says that what do these three women have in character, in common rather, Rus and Tamar and the daughter of Lot, that they were all women faced with tremendous challenges of total, you know, indefinable odds, and yet they triumph by the force of their will. They triumph by force of their conviction, and that's what you need in, in terms of the Moshiach as well. And then, of course, there are those who say that what the Kodesh Moshiach does is if you pick someone as unlikely as David, um, it minimizes opposition from the heavenly tribunal, who will always say, well, the kategors, the prosecutors, who will say, he's not worthy, this isn't worthy. No one will challenge the illogic of David, so that David becomes the father of the Mashiach, he's from Lechem, and it is important for obvious theological reasons to point out Lechem isn't the birthplace of the Mashiach, it is where David came from, the ancestor of the Mashiach. And so that sets the stage 
of who he will, who we will be. Lachain says the Navi, Yitnam ad eis yolada yolada v'yeser echav yeshuvin al bnei Yisrael. However, before the Mashiach can come, there will be analogized to birth pains, of birth pains of a woman delivering. There will be suffering that the Jewish nation will have. Some midrashic sources of the Gemara say it is a suffering unlike any other that will first happen. But then, after the suffering, the Jewish nation will be redeemed, never to be divided again. Sanhedrin, Gemara Sanhedrin makes the point that the punishment will be, and this is the analogy to a woman giving birth, for nine months. There will be a dominion of Rome, Rome being not the Rome of the Second Temple, but the Rome that has kept us in exile all these centuries and is shorthand for every enemy that oppressed us, that for nine months, period of later, there will be a brutality unseen by Rome. Then the Mashiach will come. Alternatively, the Malbin says this climactic battle of Gog, Magog, will be nine months. But after that, as we say, comes a redemption that lasts eternally. And he will lead with Hashem's strength and with the majesty of the Kaddish Baruch Hu's name. The difference defined by the Malbin between O's is strength, is physical strength. He will rule with the Kaddish Baruch Hu's strength. And the Gaon is a supernatural strength possessed by Hashem. They will return all the people of Israel to the ends of the world. In other words, the world is theirs. They will be controlling, as it were, the entire universe. And how will you know that this is going to be your domination the world and that you are not going to be afraid of any enemy. If, in the case, let's say Ashur, Assyria, who is your enemy at the time this prophecy is made, let's say he would come to the land, this is all hypothetical, and he comes and treats on your palaces, Shiva Roim Ushmone Nesiche Adam. This gets mystical. I will set against him seven shepherds and eight officers. What are we talking about? The Gemara in Sukkah says the seven shepherds, and they will pick up the cudgels of war and defend you, are David, Adam, Harishon. Uh, Shais, that is the son of Adam, Mr. Shelach, who lives the longest, Avraham, Yaakov, Moshe, There's those seven. The eight officers, Yishai, David's father, Shaul, Shmuel, Amos, Tzidkiah, Chizkiah, we will learn later in the Navi, and Treosar, Eliyahu, and um, 
the Mashiach himself. Rashi has a very interesting comment on these seven shepherds and eight officers. Where do we get them from? Who makes the list? Says Rashi as clearly as you can phrase it. I don't know where anyone got this from. I don't know where the basis is, uh, who they are. I know who they are, but how it was selected. Continues. And Ashur, Assyria, will be destroyed by the sword. Eretz Nimrod, Nimrod is the same as the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. At their gates, they will not even have the opportunity to leave their home territory before they will be destroyed. Before they trespass on our land. And the remnants of Yaakov, Bekerev Amim Rabim, will be amongst the nation's primacy of Yaakov. Ketal Meyes Hashem, like dew falling from the uh, skies from the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Kerevim rainfall on grass, Asher Vela Ish, which no man can bring. Can any man bring the dew or the rain? or can anyone start it? But the importance here is dew is a symbol of blessing. It will be the Kaddish Baruch Hu's individual blessing, the, the, uh, creating the prosperity, the crops, the rain in its time, the dew in its time, etc. You will know that it is the Kaddish Baruch Hu guiding your destiny. You will be like the lion in the forest, afraid of no one. And the kfir, the kfir is like a younger lion, is uh, a whelp, if you will. Not as strong, but among the pastures of goats. Asheri Mobar, Ramas, Taraf, Matzil, if he chooses to, can take apart any animal, consume him, tear him apart, and no one can save the animal when these lions attack. You will be like that lion. Torim Yodecha al Tzarecha, you will lift your hands among your enemies. Becholaivecha Yukaresu, and all your enemies will perish. The Malbin says, what is the difference between a tsara, an enemy, and a an adversary, that an enemy is physically involved in the battle. He is going to fight you. An oye hates your guts, has nothing to do with battle, but the enmity lasts, as we've seen, for centuries. And now the Kaddish Baruch Hu, from now, is going to give a list of those things that you will not need in the end of days when Mashiach comes. You will have no use for them, as we're going to see, because there is no need for them. I will remove the horses from your midst and um, and destroy your chariots. There'll be no war. You have no need for tools of war. 
And there's the added thing, horses we associate with going to Mitzrayim to get, which is an Esau, but you will not need Mitzrayim because you will not need tools and implements of war. And I will take down the cities. You don't even need fortified cities. I will take away all your fortifications. You can live in the open city. There need not be these elaborate defense mechanisms. You will not require it. I will take away the kishof. The magic of Mo'oninim, the diviners lo Again, you won't need these avodah zara that you were so consumed with. Uh, the difference is, Kishafim used the signs of, um, like magic signs. If this and this happens, it's a sign that this and this will happen. Diviners communicate with those that are gone. You will not need them, they will be gone. I will destroy your idols, your monuments, you will not bow any longer to the hands you work or your craftsmen uh, that you design yourself. They cut these things out of pieces of wood or they carved it out of rock and they made that their gods. How unbelievable that is, but I will eliminate that. I will destroy the asharos, those are those trees, that famous form of tree worship, where you worship these leafy trees, you sacrifice to it. It was initially fertility, but it became an overpowering object of worship. I will destroy your cities because again, you will not need them. However, I will react with anger and fury to those nations who did not listen, even in the after days, not only those who traditionally defied me and were objects, you were objects of their persecution, but who just even now, who will not heed the lesson of Mashiach, I will destroy them. And so we end on that note, and we are going to resume in Mirza Hashem Monday with again another call to judgment. Again, the emphasis is going to switch to a tochacha of B'nai Yisrael, 8.45 a.m. You will not want to miss it. Be there.